It's still winter in Europe and queuing for the bus can be a brave thing to do in these cold days. And it's even getting complicated if this bus is late and you're in a hurry or if you're overloaded with bags and suitcases or you have to commute or make an extra trip. Circumstances that make cars seem so much more cozy. But the reality is that transport makes a significant proportion of greenhouse gas emissions, on average a quarter of the emissions in the EU, with road transport taking the biggest share at around 70%, not to mention the other polluting particulates we breathe. The European Union is committed to reducing traffic emissions by 90% by 2050, and better public transport is one way to achieve this, as buses, trains, trams, subways or metros and the lights carry many more people at a time than private vehicles. Faced with the climate challenge, hopping on public transport has been getting more traction lately in the EU, especially with the EUs, says Luis Picaro Santos, a university professor at Instituto Superior Técnico in Portugal. An expert in transport and communication routes, he tells Cristina Nascimento, our colleague at Radio Nascença, about the necessary change away from individual motorized transport. The younger generations have a greater openness to make this change than the slightly older generation, so to speak. And this is also a path that is being taken. But already in reality, due to several circumstances that have to do with push from the European Commission's orientation towards a greener sustainability of mobility at all levels, this will make the political decision to invest more in this path of making collective public transport more attractive. It may well be so, but very often young adults switch to private vehicles as they grow older, says Matias Vrchsko, from Slovenia's Ministry of Infrastructure to our colleague at RTV Slovenia. Users use public transport very well there until the end of high school. Even students. Last year we sold more than 120,000 subsidized tickets for students, half of which were annual tickets. Children in primary school are also well taken care of, because the municipalities take care of them by organizing transport to school. Then it stops. In reality, there are less of so-called workers' transportations and people switch to personal cars. Matjaš goes on to explain that this is due to the massive investment in Slovenia's road transport in the past decades, while simultaneously the management of public passenger transport has been uncoordinated and disorganized. There are of course many other reasons why young adults are moving away from public transport, having babies, commuting from rural areas where housing is cheaper, etc. So especially after the pandemic, how do we convince people to use public transport more? In this episode, our network of European journalists at Euronet Plus visited transport experts in their respective countries to look at existing initiatives and understand how public transport can be a key element in achieving better air quality in the future and limiting greenhouse gas emissions. And they found that there is no shortage of ideas for improving and boosting public transit. One idea that is increasingly considered in European cities is to make public transport free of charge as this has both environmental and social benefits. Of course, this comes at a price that not all public authorities can bear. But the burden of financing free transport can be balanced in several ways, by implementing a partial cost exemption. For example, free public transport can only take place at specific time of a day or on specific days. 
It can also be applied only to certain lines or certain specific directions. The first major Italian city, where the local authorities decided to convince residents to give up using their private cars as much as possible, is Genoa. And they have adopted for both these solutions about a year ago. Ilaria Gavuglio, the president of Azienda Mobilità e Trasporti, the company that manages public transport, serving around 600,000 passengers per day, explained how this works to Giulia Cannizzaro, our colleague at Radio 24. Consiste nella gratuità dei verticali, cioè degli ascensori e delle funicolari. It consists of the free use of vertical transportation. That's to say lifts and funiculars, all day, every day and the free use of the subway line during certain time slots called soft slots, in other words, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. As far as the subway is concerned, this has led to a shift of passengers away from peak hours, resulting in greater comfort and fewer concerns on the part of our users. With regards to the vertical installations, we've also taken the opportunity to promote pedestrianism in the hilly areas of our city. And as such, we have in some ways incentivized local public transport. And it's worked. For instance, there has been almost 50% increase in the number of users, which interestingly was reflected not only in the free time slots, but also during the paid ones. It has determined an undeniable reduction in the congestion of private vehicles, and thus has led to a better environmental sustainability in the city. In addition, the buses themselves are undergoing their own transformation, as they are not only free of charge but also increasingly electric and therefore more sustainable. Let's get specific. Here are the first results of these initiatives in Genoa. The growth of public transport and the transition towards an increasingly sustainable mobility resulted in a drop-off in the polluting agents detected by our technicians in comparison to 2019, the year in which we began this transition. For every 10,000 kilometers traveled, we've recorded a 6% reduction in carbon dioxide emissions, a 38% reduction in carbon monoxide, a 44% reduction in nitric oxide and dioxide, and a 29% reduction in PM10 particles. We're clearly working to reduce these polluting agents further and improve the quality of our air. Another solution to control the cost of free public transport is to limit its offer to specific user categories, the youth, students or the elderly. And this is the case in Kutnoin, central Poland, a town with a population of 45,000. There, public transport is free for children and young people. Camille Klimaszewski, who works at the city of Kutno, explains the city's purpose to our colleague from Polskie Radio, Kasia Seman. Wprowadzenie darmowej komunikacji dla uczniów szkół podstawowych i ponadpodstawowych w Kutnie miało The introduction of free transport for primary and secondary students in Kutno had two goals. First of all, ecology. We wanted to ensure that parents did not drive their children to schools, but rather let them use public transport, which is very well organized in Kutno. The second goal was for public transport to bring as many passengers as it did before the pandemic. These rides are always free of charge. It means not only to and from school, but also, for example, to visit grandma, to go to a store, a trip to a stadium, 
a match or another afternoon training. All these journeys are free of charge, and not only for the residents of Kutno, but for all residents of Poland, because any student who comes to Kutno, even if he or she is visiting as a tourist, will be able to use our public transport free of charge upon presenting their ID card. Frank Negermeyer is chief of public transports in Monheim, a North Rhine-Westphalian city that offers its residents free use of buses and trains. He told our German colleagues in Avogram that the offer should be, and I quote, immensely boosted in order to improve adherence, in particular by improving the offer in rural areas. And public transport is very cost-intensive. We can't cover that with the income. It's a kind of basic service. Our task is to get people to work, to school, to leisure, time and so on. What I want to say is that we definitely have to expand the services, not only in the urban context, but also in the rural context. There, we sometimes have connections that only run every hour, and only very few connections to trams and so on. And if I live in an area where I hardly have any public transport, then such a ticket will not be interesting for me at all. But again, this comes at a cost. In Monheim, local authorities have compensated by increasing parking fees. The city appears to have been successful overall, as 92% of Monheim's residents have activated their free tickets, Niergermeyer added. So the idea of free public transport is indeed gaining ground in Europe. Several cities in the EU have tested this solution, and in Luxembourg, countrywide public transport have been free for all users since March 2020. Tallinn in Estonia is the largest city and the first European capital to offer free public transport to its citizens since 2013. The Baltic capital has been awarded the title of European Green Capital in 2023, a title reserved for cities that are at the forefront of change in sustainability, biodiversity, climate and green innovation, thus also reflecting the ambitions of the European Green Deal. And the city has another urban mobility objective which is that its citizens should be able to reach all necessary infrastructure in less than 15 minutes via soft modes of transport. Our colleague Mart Wallner, a journalist with Estonian radio station Kukuradio, spoke to Krista Gambus, executive director of Tallinn European Green Capital 2023, about the city's past and future ambitions. It's important for public transport routes to be improved, for the city to address this. We should look at existing public transport routes and consider how to make them more compact, how to improve them, how to change schedules so that people feel comfortable using public transport more, so they don't have to wait long for the bus, so there are good and easy transfers, so they can quickly and comfortably get from A to B. Of course, we're not there yet, but I know that Tallinn is at least working on this. And referring back to the green capital, I think this green capital title has actually accelerated all these processes in the city as well. Clearly, multimodal transport is seen as a key solution to making public transport more attractive, as evidenced by many of the comments in the interviews conducted by our journalists. Neringa Dubovskiene, a lecturer at Kaunas University of Technology in Lithuania, in turn believed that it would be more effective to create a wider-use public transport ticket, which would be valid for buses and trolleybuses, scooters, bicycles, etc. 
In this way, according to the expert, public transit would become more convenient, which, in her opinion, is the greatest motivation for choosing public transport. I think that a very good solution, which would not require giving up the income from public transport, would be to integrate more services into the same public transport payment app. We could use the same ticket to take a bus and, for example, rent a scooter and maybe even borrow a bike or send a package to someone. And we could do all of that on one platform without having to switch from one app to another. I think more people would use such vehicles as it would ensure that their journey is smooth from point A when they leave their home to point B where they need to get to. Right now, the bus stop is often some distance away and then you need to complete the trip using some other vehicle. And for that, you need to download a different app, maybe one you don't have, and this is offered by some other provider, not the one you're used to, and so on. By integrating more services into one place, we can expect more people to use them. So for this multimodal transport solution to be truly successful, bicycles have an increasingly pivotal role to play as a complementary mode of transport which means that bikes must actually be promoted jointly with public transport. During the pandemic, some cities, such as Brussels, where I live, developed more and better cycle paths. Unfortunately, this is not the case in all EU member states, says Radostina Petrova of Association Velo Evolution in Bulgaria, in an interview with journalist Lachivar Valev from BNR. Bicycle use in Bulgaria seems to be at a standstill. After the short boom of a few years ago, during which several of Bulgaria's big cities started to lay down the foundations of their bicycle network, things have completely died down over the past year or two. There's no new cycling infrastructure and we see no new incentives, the opposite in fact. A wide range of measures were implemented in other countries during the COVID pandemic, especially in some of Europe's big cities. Not just new bike lanes, but also financial support for people to buy and use a bike. And to move up a gear for more flexibility and better service in remote areas, on-demand public transit is also part of the game. It allows people to book public transport, such as minibus shuttle, from floating bus stops near their homes directly to their destination, often via an app. Back in Genoa, Ilaria Gavulio is no longer to be convinced of the interest of this on-demand solution. Certainly, on-demand services can really add value to a region, respond to citizens' demands and provide an effective service, all while also saving resources, which can then be reinvested into the service itself. They also have a positive environmental impact because they stop kilometers being wasted by providing an effective service the moment a citizen requires it, adding value to a region and preventing depopulation. So there is no shortage of options, which also shows that EU cities can become major driving forces in the Green Deal. And you, can you see the change happening around you? That's all for today. Be sure to come back in two weeks to meet fishermen from across the EU. Till then.